You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck. I just shot a freaking big buck. Get that one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild, November fourteenth. We got some, we got some good stuff to update on. It is the day before Michigan's firearm opener tomorrow. Uh, me and Henry are gonna head up tonight up north, make the trip up there. He's got conferences tonight, so hopefully that goes well for him, which typically he, it does. He's a pretty good student, but uh, we're gonna do that and then try to get him his first uh, his first deer. He's been pretty pumped about this he's uh he shot a gun 350 legend i got it all set up for him it's an ar platform i got the the nice uh death grip you know tripod thing for the gun to sit in and clamp in but yeah i took it to the range and i set it up for him you know got on there but he did everything else you know aimed did all that stuff and shot a great group at like 100 yards really proud of him so he's feeling good. You know, he's been practicing with his 22 and stuff like that too. So, yeah, dude, having a having a gun in an AR platform uh, in like a 350 Legend with a suppressor on it is, is very nice for a kid. You know, I couldn't shoot a gun until I was 14. So by that time I was, I think I was dang near six foot tall, uh, you know, knock on the door, 180 pounds maybe, you know, somewhere in there. 160 at least and uh, I was a big kid so shooting like my dad's deer rifle was no big deal for me uh, by that time I've been shooting shotguns for quite a while and you know loud noises and all that stuff didn't really bother me too much so I mean growing up I used a 22 uh, quite a bit but there's a big difference between like a 22 to a, a rifle with kick and loud noise so you know being a younger age he's you know he's seven he'll be eight in March uh, just trying to do my part as a parent to, you know, I want him to enjoy this and have fun. You know, there's a fine line between doing everything for him and letting him do a lot. So I kind of took the approach that I wasn't going to force him into doing any of this, but he, uh, he would go, um, when he wanted to, he'd always go hunting with me. He loved doing that. But then once he started showing interest and wanting to shoot a deer for himself, I would, you know, support him fully with whatever he wanted to do. And 
yeah, this year he kind of was like, yep, I want to go opening day. He didn't want to do the youth season. And he's never heard me talk bad about the youth season or, you know, using a crossbow or anything like that. It was just something he just like, he wanted to do with a gun. Probably because he knew that, like, I shot my first deer with a gun, my first buck with a gun, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, hearing stories from grandpa and all that stuff. So we're pretty pumped for that. There's quite a few deer that are moving through an area. It's, uh, you know, there's always the question, oh, if you're sitting with your kid or you, a big one comes out, are you going to, are you going to let him shoot it or you're not, you know? And for me as the, as a parent, I've been just, you know, very transparent with him. And, you know, he knows what kind of deer I like to shoot, what kind of deer we pass, what's good deer to, you know, to shoot for him. Or, you know, like maybe like a, uh, you know, a year and a half old deer or two and a half year old, you know, or three and a half, we even have some three and a half year old bucks that are just like wide with like no tines. You know, like a deer, any of those kind of deer, he's got free reign. If he wants to shoot a spike, he wants to shoot a two-year-old eight-point, we don't care. As as kids, they can, you know, shoot a, you know shoot their first deer can be whatever. You know, and now the, the difference is, you know, he's, he might shoot his first one at seven, so, like, I'm not going to let him for ten years shoot whatever he wants. You know, I'm going to try to instill the same principles that we've used on some of these properties. And um, if he doesn't like that, then he can go get, you know, more spots and find his own places to hunt. That's kind of what I did, you know. I didn't, you know, not because I, I was told I had to, it was just like, I knew what my dad and uncle were doing, only shooting, you know, four points on the side. So I was like, well, I want to kill some deer. So I just started, you know, getting permission on their pieces. And then I shot a handful of them. And now, you know, that's morphed into what it is today. So I'm just trying to keep, keep them interested in doing those kind of things. And hopefully, you know, great shots made and all that. But before we transition into like the last, uh, uh, couple weeks of hunting, I do want to have an announcement. Uh, I have a shop, and it'll be in the show notes. But if you want to support the podcast, you know, I don't have, like, apparel or anything like that yet. Um, I don't have any partnerships, really. I'm just trying to do this for, you know, six months and see what uh, ends up shaking out And before I approach anyone with that. But I do have a shop, and it's just it's something that works really nice for me because it's simple. And... It can, you know, I don't have to do uh, the legwork for some things. So the shop is michiganwild.hollercommerce.com. So that's michiganwild.holler, H-O-L-L-E-R, commerce, C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. All that is is just a shop that I have. Then there's a few things I've, like, highlighted, but there's a lot of hunting stuff. There's, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. There's hunting, fishing, um, anything that you might want for, you know, going out here and doing the things you love to do outside. I, you know, there's saddles on there, there's climbing sticks, there's boots, there's arrow stuff, there's archery things. There's all kinds of, you know, um, little accessories and like, you know, doodads too. Like there's gear ties, there's, you know, there's all those things. So I'm just encouraging anyone who's listened to this. If you, you know, have that thing, you're like, man, I would, you know, I'm, I need this for hunting season right now, or I needed this for next year. You kind of have, or Christmas, you know, Christmas time coming up for people. Just go on there and give it a shot and see if you can find something you like. I've been scrolling through quite a few things and there seems to be some like, you know, I think they're very competitively priced what they have, you know, there'll be sales throughout the year and stuff like that. But, um, I mean, I just like it because it just gives an opportunity for you guys to go on to something and support, you know, me in that way. Um, 
and like I don't want to. Obviously, I'm not doing this to you know make a living or anything like that. Just to kind of you know be a hobby. But there's a way I can monetize this to you know maybe get a little better equipment or you know kind of help me continue doing it because it's fun and it's a hobby. And, you know, all that stuff will just go into either producing you know better content or just you know stuff in the hunting industry like hunting like my money will stick to that that's kind of what i want to do for this you know if that means i could help other people out that would be you know ideal but like there's vortex optics on there there's you know knives and there's you know like i have like there's arctic shield boot insulators like those things have been great and i was scrolling through i was like oh my gosh they even have those but yeah give it a shot see what you like um i mean there's I don't I haven't even touched the surface of what's on that uh, that shop. So yeah, go give it a give it a look. It's michiganwild.hollercommerce.com and anything you guys uh, do end up buying on there, you know, helps support the show. So appreciate that. Well, let's go into this story of me being bucked out in Michigan. Yes, I sealed my deal uh, once again, and I am bucked out. And it's quite the story. I mean, November third. We, I made the the trip down to Illinois and that's, you know, we were, we had our bow camp, you know, I think there was, there was going to be, oh shoot, it was going to be me, my dad, Mason, his dad, Sam, uh, Drew, his dad, Ray, and his brother, Brent, we're all going to be in bow camp for the week, which we had our lease. And then we also, there's just a lot of public land around the area. So we kind of just been always talking how this is just going to be a, we can have quite a few guys and none of us were opposed to, you know, walking some of this, this public ground that was down there. Well, leading up to the week of our camp, you know, I will definitely go into some more detail with this with the guys, but it was a pretty tough sledding because our lease, you know, we had a bunch of trail cameras on there and we were still getting pictures of some of our target bucks, but one hadn't daylighted in days i mean maybe even like pushing on weeks um they were doing the midnight 4 a.m kind of a thing 2 a.m you know 11 30 at night uh so and that coupled with south winds and anyone who hunted you know anywhere in the midwest like you know illinois kansas missouri you know throughout that you'll you know exactly what i'm talking about south wind hot weather which I've hunted many ruts when it's been hot, but this was kind of different because it was, it was hot for like a week straight, maybe eight days and above average with heat. I mean, 80 degree weather, all those kind of things. So it just made it for really tough, which to me, I wasn't like super like sad about that because that just made me feel like I could hunt somewhere in the morning and then I could scout and maybe find a better spot or find somewhere to hunt that night. Cause it kind of gave me that window in the middle of the day where like, you know, it's 83 degrees. I don't feel like bucks would be running as much or doe, you know, more so does won't be cruising around as much because they're, you know, it's extremely hot. So I kind of took that approach and, uh, because our property that our lease property we had South wind is the worst wind to hunt that because of access and the deer travel. Um, not, not terrible for, uh, the deer per se, but terrible for us to hunt it. I mean, we access from the south, and there's no other option for access. So that really made that hard. So we kind of we just we instantly just started bouncing around. Um, I believe I hunted. So I got there Friday night. I had bought my tags um, Friday night, and then 
through the early morning, whatever that may be, we I woke up and I didn't plan on hunting that morning, but I wanted to go scout. Well, come to find out I was missing part of my tag. So I had to go with uh, Sam and Brent and get, we had to get our, they had to get their tags. So we got those all squared away. Thankfully got my, I was good to go. So then as soon as we got our tags, we just started driving around. And I happened to find this little this little piece that I really liked. So we kind of snuck in there, checked it out. Yep, drove and checked a couple other spots out. And we had a relatively good game plan, uh, evening one. So evening one would be Saturday evening, hunted. You know, we all hunted. Uh, I saw two does, that was it. I'm just going to kind of breeze through my part of this because there is a pretty good story for, for someone else. But uh, I saw two does that evening, hunted the next morning in the same general area, uh, happened to do like a hanging out in the dark in a spot I'd never been and was surrounded by three scrapes and there was rubs. I mean, I could see the rubs walking in, felt really good about the set. Didn't see anything. So ran back and we, like I said, we were doing this, it was hot. So like it was, I wasn't had zero intentions of sitting all day anywhere. So run back to the place we were staying, grab some lunch and I was hit right, right back out, right back out there. And that, that section that we were hunting, I was like, I'm the way the wind was, I was like, I have the perfect opportunity to scout this entire thing and learn what I can. What I assumed was going on was not going on. So I, uh, I did, uh, quite the walk that day. Uh, and then that evening I was kind of at, I was kind of perplexed, you know, like I was like, man, there's nothing here. I was running low on time. So then I decided to, this is Sunday. So then I decided to just, you know, scout Sunday night and, I kept doing that and I ended up driving around, um, scouting areas. And I kind of thought that was a good idea just for finding hunter pressure and to see if I could just find deer. Cause this is, you know, these areas are, they're big, they're big areas, uh, lots of woods. Uh, there's like fields, but there's not like, it's not like egg, like lots of egg that I'm used to hunting. So there's a lot of, you know, timber that connects a lot of bottoms and terrain and stuff. So, I believe it was, yeah, Saturday, Sunday night, I happened to stumble upon a couple really nice bucks in some areas, so I had a good game plan for uh, Sunday or Monday morning, and my my goal Monday morning was to just, you know, drive into the spot, there was a good glassing spot, because last thing I want to do is bump a buck, I saw like a really nice buck, like a buck I would shoot, uh, 10 point, um, he was, you know, knocking on the door, he was in the 130s for sure. Um, just a really nice, well, down there, down there, their racks look giant because their bodies are a lot smaller than I'm used to here in Michigan, but I would say I'm pretty confident in the one thirties. So my game plan was the glass in the morning. I did that. Uh, saw, saw like a spike buck or something. A doe. I was like, okay, which was very concerning to me. Cause I was assuming that the, the deer was kind of holed up in a certain area. And if he was still in that general area, I would see him that morning. Well, come to find out I did my, I did my, my, uh, my glass uh, nothing. So then I ran to the, um, back to another section and I scouted all morning and uh, I'm doing these scouts with my, with my bag on my back with ready to hunt, you know, bow in hand, just in case I found something, uh, did that. Then I dove back into the other area in in the early afternoon because I wanted to kind of walk and find a good spot, walked around, tore the whole place up. And it was just like, I think it was just a coincidence. He was there. Either he had chased a doe through there or got bumped because all the good stuff was, you know, quite a ways away on uh, private was from my understanding through my scouting. So then I'm kind of scrambling and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to check this other piece out. And I ended up, uh, you know, I ended up setting up 
Uh, this is Monday afternoon on my, this will be my third sit. So I hunted Saturday. I had Saturday after Saturday afternoon to hunt all day, Sunday, all day, Monday. And I only sat three times because I mean, I was just pounding the, the ground, you know, doing the boot leather thing. And people always talk about scouting, had a really good sit. It was a, it was a nice little spot. Uh, ended up having a, a really nice, you know, I'm assuming two year old buck, maybe a little, really a small three and a half year old. I, like I said, the body sizes are pretty hard down there to get cause it's Southern Indiana or Illinois. But, uh, he came, he worked perfect, came down the ridge, worked from a 20 yard shot. And at this point in time, I think I had, I had walked, you know, I was knocking on the door of over 10 miles of just scouting with, you know, in 80 degree weather, sweating the entire time. I mean, the one, the one day, the one spot I stopped at my truck to quick walk around, I hopped on my truck and I ended up getting a cramp from my butt cheek all the way down to my ankle, whole leg just locked up. And I wish someone was there to see it. Cause I about fell over and, you know, had to stretch it out, but just, yeah, just wasn't really prepared for that. And it wasn't so much that I'm not used to, you know, walking and doing those kind of things. It was just the, the train and the dehydration <laughs> was not drinking enough and sweating like that, but so no, it was when that deer came out, I first saw him, I grabbed my bow instantly because I thought, oh man, this might be, this might happen. And then he worked by and he, I just could not make him big enough to justify shooting him. Uh, and not because I'm this big buck hunter or anything like that, but just like for me, I have like goals and aspirations. Like I want to shoot, you know, a mature deer. Um, ideally that's four and a half years old and older, you know, if a really solid three and a half year old walks by, I'm not, I'm not too good to shoot him, but it was like, I just told myself when he was right there broadside, I was like looking at him, he ended up being a seven point, probably like 90 in the nineties for inches. And, uh, I was like, in, which on a deer like that body size looked a lot bigger than that. But I, as he got closer, I was like, you know, looking, I'm like, Oh, he's not that big. But I was like, I have not walked enough to shoot this deer. So I let him go by and then that, and then the way the area was kind of laid out, I was like, I felt like it was a better morning spot anyway. So I kind of took a break and left my stuff in the tree, which I very rarely do, and went right back in there uh, Tuesday morning. So Tuesday morning, I, uh, I, I was, you know, hunting and I ended up seeing a doe, maybe two does. And I saw like a little, f- like a super spike, spike with like brow tines. Uh, so he's a four pointer. So it was a great morning, but I was just, you know, I'm looking at the maps and I had a couple other areas, you know, that I was like, I need to check this spot out. And then I kept looking at the extended forecast. And for me, it was going to be 80s until like Thursday. Uh, it was when the cold front was kind of coming through. Well, I had to be home uh, Thursday because I had to leave for a wedding out of state. I had to leave Friday for the wedding. So I'm like looking at extended forecast, like, man, like I'm finding all these spots that I feel like could be good, but like we're limited because the deer aren't moving, you know, they're not having like a full day of movement. So out there, there's a lot of space. So you kind of have a disadvantage unless you just know it really well and can set up right on top of something, which that was really hard to do because it was so loud. Um, the leaves, you know, super dry, no rain. So, I mean, the notion of sneaking up on a deer in a bedding area or like a pocketed deer was something that just didn't really check any of the boxes for me to like feel confident in. And I have to feel confident if I'm going to set up in a tree. So that's why I did a lot of scouting. So fast forward, got through the, the, you know, had some lunch, me and Brent hopped in the truck and we went and scouted another piece that looked really good. It was kind of far off the road. And you know, we, I think that Tuesday stuff started clicking like midday 
because I'd walked, you know, so many different properties by this point in time. I kind of was like thinking they'd be in the bottom or, you know, trying to find sign, all these other things. And that property stuff started clicking because we were able to like walk quite a long ways. Um, I mean, we walked for, you know, it was, it was like just over a mile into a spot. So I would always like do loops, you know, like I would, where I'd walk in, I would not walk back out the same. So like if I had to walk in a mile, I'd walk out a mile, I did two miles of scouting just to try to like, and I was smart with wind direction and all that. But on the way, on the way back out, I was like, okay, starting to make sense. Like I get what they're kind of doing and we found some good sign, um, you know, but still wasn't a property that I was like, yep, I need to grab my bone and go back in there. Uh, so dropped him off and then. It was like, okay, I'm running low on time. Uh, where I dropped him off was pretty close to our lease. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to get there. I'm going to go hunt our lease and, you know, pull pull our cams because, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be back. So I wanted to pull my couple cameras while I was there. So my thought was go set up by one of the cams that died and had some good daylight pictures, you know, three, four weeks before of does. And I was like, I'll just kind of scout myself my way in. Long walk, all uphill. Uh, just sweating, just dying. But got to that spot and it was just like a ghost town. Like there was no fresh sign anywhere. And like I'm talking just tracks. Like I don't need to see giant fresh rubs or big scrapes. I mean, I was just looking for deer tracks. And this was an area that I should be able to see deer tracks. Nothing. So I got that camera pulled and I was like, okay, I'll just bail off on the side of this other ridge. Kind of catch a drainage coming through with a south wind. Um, and the other spot, I was kind of anticipating the wind acting a little different than it did. And as I got up there, dropped milkweed. I was like, yep, this is no good. And all day I was looking at the weather in Michigan and kind of had a game plan that like, if I don't find something good here, I'm like bailing and I'm going back home Wednesday, leave early and then hunt because we had, like, I'll get into that a little bit, but there's a couple of things that were, that were lined up that I was like really pumped about or like curious one. I felt like it could be good. So anyways, dumped over this other side of the ridge to overlook a kind of like this long bottom that connected to some other terrain features and property. There was a couple of your typical like benches or, and there was scrapes in there and stuff like that. And as soon as I reach over, I look and I can see dog running <laughs> and like the dogs running the whole cover. Like, cause I mean, it's, it's, it's big woods, you know, kind of setting. You can see a good ways through it. Um, it's not like super thick, but you know, you got mature trees. So I mean, when you get down into the woods at ground level, you can see a pretty good ways. Um, and I can just see this black dog just running all over. And I was like, oh my gosh, going right under the neighbors, going back under ours, going back and forth, like up and down. And I was like, either he jumped some deer and he's running them or he's just like checking out the place. So I sneak down to my trail camera and I'm like, okay, I grabbed my second, my second cam that I had. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just kind of set up somewhere here. Just maybe who knows, whatever the, the deer will still come through Well, right at like, so the property, or at least we we know that it doesn't hold the deer. It's more of like a travel area for them to cruise through. Uh, we don't have the cover like some of the neighboring properties do. So we're kind of hunting that way where we're like we're we're anticipating deer to filter through. We have the egg and get to us. So as soon as I'm like standing there putting the camera in my bag the neighbors just start firing a chainsaw up and I was like, Oh my gosh, they're right where like we've got deer heading to and coming from on the camera. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, obviously deer are used to like human activities. So, like I'm not scared of that, but it's kind of like one of those things where there's a lot of things going against us. Super warm, uh, but not the greatest wind for them to move. Dog had just ran through that whole area 
and now we got chainsaw going. So there was like, for me, like I said, I had to be super confident for me to go sit a tree, no matter where I am, because to me, it's like, I'd rather scout or, you know, find something new that I feel confident than just like go sit a tree to sit a tree. So, so then I bailed. I was like, yep, I'm out of here. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm not hunting here tonight. So made the long trip back to the truck. And, uh, by the time I got to the truck and, um, did I did a little scouting on the way out, you know, and actually found like a pretty nice, like fresh scrape, like the freshest scrape I probably found like the whole, the whole trip, which come to find out that was hit like the day before, but, uh, in the, in, at night. So got back to the truck and was like, you know what? I sat in the truck for a little bit and had to take my clothes off. Cause I was just soaked through them. You know, I probably had like, by this time, by the time I was back to the truck, I probably had 45 minutes of, of uh, light left. So my evening was done, which I was like at at this point in time, like I felt very good about the the hunts. Like tough conditions, place we've never been before, some really good intel scouted, and like now I know, like I I put a lot of stuff in the memory bank that if I ever hunt that kind of terrain, I know what to look for. I guess like I've hunted you know hilly stuff and those kind of things, but not quite to this extent. So learned a lot was really good. Like I thought deer would be in the bottoms because um, there's some really big bottoms, but they may I think they more so crossed through them and then they were using like you know the terrain a certain way because it was like it wasn't like super steep some of these areas that we were hunting it was more gradual so they just learning how they like to go through cover how they like to skirt like cedar thickets uh you know how they like to skirt through crp tall grass you know found that kind of stuff uh pines you know how they like to use a pine feature like these pines were you know like a wasteland but the deer still like traverse through them. So like, there's a lot of those things that I learned. But so as I sat in my truck, I was just like really dissecting the next couple of days in Michigan. Uh, it was, you know, November 7th was Tuesday. And on November 8th in Michigan, like the warm front was not really happening. I mean, it was, it was like forties, you know, uh, maybe touching 50 during the day, but it was like cool mornings. And then, but we had like rain coming and was there for Wednesday with an east wind. Now, east wind for me in the in the past is can be a really good wind for me to see a really big deer. Like I haven't killed very many, you know, deer on an east wind, but I've seen some really good bucks on east wind. Um and it's one of those winds where you either see them or you don't see nothing. <laughs> so, uh lucky for me, I have these food plots that I planted and I have a second food plot and we've talked about these in the past. You know, I had missed Mr. Krabs in the food plot. And then five days later, I nicked uh, Jake in the same food plot. And then I have seen, uh, you know, some nice bucks in the other food plot, but like really hard to hunt because the way the corn is this year and deer kind of had multiple, it used to be like one source of direction they would go into this, this plot, but because corn was up, they were kind of using the corn a little differently and kind of looping other ways. So I was kind of like, I kind of was limited and kind of was like, I'm just going to hunt that with a gun. Um, cause I can, you know, get, get the range, but then with the East wind that gave me the opportunity to be able to bow hunt that. So I like saw that and I was like, dude, I think I'm making, I'm making the call. I'm pulling out early. I'm going to wake up super early Wednesday morning and I'm going to just jet there. Um, and I, I think I had had one trail cam picture in the middle of the night of, of Jake, um, knowing he was still alive. You know, I've, I've had, I've probably had five or six pictures of him since I hit him. And you could see a little tuff on his back where I where I grazed him, or I thought I grazed him, um, and 
because you know I didn't know I didn't obviously didn't know exactly what I did, but like you could see he was hit really high and it did not look bad at all. So I woke up at 3 a.m. Wednesday morning, got the truck loaded up, and off I went. And I made the trip back home. So I got home and got home, took care of a couple things, you know, got ready, and it was raining, kind of spin. You know, those east wind days, the weatherman's always wrong. It says, oh, it's not going to rain. Oh, it's going to clear out. Well, it kind of clears out and then just keeps coming back and just kind of hangs out. So I'm looking at the radar, and I was like, okay, I think I have a window. I think it's going to be done raining by the time I'm set up in my tree, and then I should have a really good set. But I forgot to kind of look at the wind speed. So there's a couple things going, and, like, I was I was pumped and I was excited, but, I, you know, load the truck up, go, and – you know, do this long, you know, out of the way walk in and get into a tree that I had scouted and figured that would be a really good tree to go in. So they're really big trees, so it's hard. So I made one crucial mistake. I didn't swap my saddle platform out from the tree stand because I have that lightweight beast gear tree stand. And I had told myself that I need to make sure I use a tree stand in this tree because the way it was leaning and the way the trees kind of were, that like a stand is just a better option. The opposed to the saddle or the, where the limbs were and stuff like that. So <laughs> halfway up the tree, I am, you know, quickly realizing that this is going to be very difficult with the saddle, like for me to be hidden and for me to be able to, you know, pull off a really good shot. Um, so anyways, I committed to it. I got set up and as I'm setting up, dude, I am getting pounded by like driving rain. It's not like it's not pouring, but it's really close to pouring and it's windy and I'm just getting smoked. So I got set up and, uh, was in the tree and I had my extra layers on and I was saturated and I was like, man, this is, this is not good. It's blowing way harder than I thought. So then that kind of like ruled out one area that I felt like the deer would kind of skirt through because I was like, they ain't going to come up that edge because the wind's going to be just pounding them. They're probably going to be, you know, they're 80 to 100 yards over, stay in the thick stuff a little easier and then kind of stage up before they commit. Uh, at this point in time, like I was, I was hunting bucks, like it's the rut, it's November 8th, like this, you know, I, there's a couple of deer in the area that I would shoot, but I was more doing it like as a hunt to see deer and see if I can pull this spot off in an east wind because that's what I kind of always thought. Like I was always like, man, in early October, if I get an east wind, like one of those fronts, I'm hunting that, that tree. So I get set up, it's three o'clock and I've been just, and I think I was set up by like two thirty, two twenty, probably somewhere in there. And I was just getting pelted. And I told myself, I was like, man, if I had like pull, it was raining so hard. Like you're trying to pull your phone up and look. And I was like, dude, it doesn't show much on the radar, but it just keeps forming on me. So I was like, man, if it, if it does one of those little, those, those rains, those dry rains one more time, I need to bail because I'm not, I ain't going to make this for three hours. Like I was, I didn't have my rain jacket. I mean, I had enough gear, but I was so wet from getting set up and cause you know, kind of get sweaty setting up and you know, I wasn't wearing my rain stuff when I was set up, but so my base layers, everything were just soaked. So I was like, if it does it again, I'm going to get down. I'm just going to go swing back over and I'm going to hunt my gun blind, which I've, it's a gun blind slash bow spot. I mean, early season, you know, deer do traverse, you know, near it, but I mean, it's, it's a few hundred yards away from my food plots. So of course, it, 10 minutes later, boom, smoked by rain. I'm like, yep, I'm bailing. So it's 3 o'clock when I decide I'm bailing. So get everything down, hook my bow up to my bow rope, 
and my like hands are like numb. Like that's they they were cold. Like I mean I'm pretty tough. Like I work outside and stuff, but they're cold. So I hook my bow up to my my bow rope up, and I have a twist tie on the gear tie, and I twist it on through. And I was like, yep, I'm good. And I was kind of hurrying because like when I committed to it, I was like, I gotta get out of this tree. It's a hard tree to get into. It's gonna take me a little bit. So I turn and start lowering my bow down. I usually do it one handed and let it kind of slide through my hands. Well, it slides. And then like a piece of the, the like bow rope like had like looped and like caught on my pinky. So it goes from sliding to instant stop. Well, instantly stopped and then my bow pops off. And boom, smokes one of my climbing sticks. And then smokes a tree branch and then like lands like sitting upright like it's on a bow stand. And I was like, oh, and like I saw it happen and I saw my back bar smoke the climbing stick and then i saw my riser where i hold the bow hit the tree branch and it fell i was like man that felt good like (laughs) if you're to have your bow fall that was like perfect so i was like man you big dummy you should have like double checked that gear tie because like i did it without looking because you know as you're getting ready you're like making sure nothing's coming in like putting your bow down is like in the morning huh if it's daylight and you're getting you know taking your boat setting your bow down on the ground that's like the most like anxiety i get like I'm now completely out of the game, like, if something comes in. So I kind of did it without looking. So mental note, I'll never do that again. And then having a hook on my hand, you know, I think that was kind of like just the double the double negative on that deal. But So bow falls down. I was like, oh, man, sp- still commit to the cause. I get everything packed up. And I look at my bow, and I'm like, yep, I can." my back bar was bent way up. So, you know, on the pivot. So I put that back down, and then I could see in the riser where my hand goes, where it hit the branch. So I like look everything over. Everything looks great. Like the cam wasn't even buried in the ground or nothing. It was like kind of just like hovering there, like in the branch, some of the branches of the brush. So turn my head, close my eyes, pull the bow back. Nothing happens. I'm like, sweet. We're good to go. We're still in the game. So I'll make the, the trip back to the back towards my truck into the gum line and do the big loop, you know, making sure I wasn't walking anywhere that deer could cross. You know, I, that was kind of my thing. So get all set up, crank the heater, start drying all my stuff out, and just kind of sit for the night. And I think I was back, I was back hunting in the blind by like 3:30. So that whole thing, I didn't, I felt really good. I mean, I think it was dark at six, or real close to six. So I still had, you know, two hours plus of you know good hunting left. And I figured it would kind of get dark a little sooner because it was so overcast and raining. But I get set up in the blind, I start pulling my radar up. Like, okay, I have about you know 45 minutes to 50 minutes of like this BS rain. And then it should kind of clear up for a few hours. And there was like a big system coming from the north uh, and heading our way. So I was like, you know, I might get some really good like movement from like that 445 to like 545, like that hour. Well, sure enough, sitting there and I see the first group of does or actually, yeah, I saw yeah three or four does. They pop out. And of course they go to the exact way I figured, I kind of figured when I was sitting there with how the wind was being so windy that like I was going to catch deer, weren't going to work to the food plot I was sitting on to like last light. And the last thing I want to do is like be stuck in a tree when it's raining and all that stuff and being miserable. And I didn't really want to bust deer out of there. So 4.30, I think it was maybe 4.35, 4.40, something like that. First group of does pop out and they go right to my other food plot that I've been, I had those other opportunities in and are just mowing down on it. So I'm like, sweet, this is perfect. I looked at the time, I was like, yep, 4.35, just good thing to know. Um, and then, you know, then, and then another doe pops out, and you could tell she was just not, 
not having it. Like she didn't like something. She kept looking behind her. And I was, then the other does that were in the food pot, they kind of tails up and they run off. I'm like, okay, something's pestering. Like probably a year, year and a half old buck. Typically when I see does act like that, there's a young buck, you know, messing with them. Yep, sure enough, out pops this beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old eight-point. And it's possible that we have his shed from last year Henry found. I think it's the shed, shed Henry found, but not sure. But he pops out, and he starts doing buck things. You know, he's he starts trotting over to the, the does that were kind of the food plot and checked them out, and then they ran off. And then another doe came out, and he's, like, hanging out with her. And I look, and out pops out Jake. And Jake's the buck I hit. Beautiful, you know, four-and-a-half-year-old buck. No, from trail cam history. Had him last year. Um, didn't hunt him last year because I knew he was three and a half and didn't want to be tempted with it. Just a beautiful, cool deer with some you know, non-typical stuff kind of going on. Trashy, something I've never really had before. And out he steps. And he's like 280, you know, 300 yards away, something like that. Boom. And I was like, no way, there he is. And he looks impressive. I was like, this is the first time I've seen like a really good look at him, like in the wide open. All other times, like the time I shot at him, you know, low light, tall grass he was in. The time he came out with uh, Mr. Krabs when I missed him, he was the same thing, stayed in the brush, tall grass, never really got a great look. And I was like, ooh, he's impressive. And uh, he instantly starts trotting across that field towards that other two-year-old eight-point. And he bristles up. And I was like, ooh, he's aggressive. So he runs that eight point off and then checks those does. And he's in the food plot lip curling. You know, like you see on, you know, the videos is just like the coolest thing ever. And I'm sitting back like, man, he's like fired up. And it's like 445. Like I got lots of time. Um, and I think by the time I first saw it was probably 445. By the time I made it, the food plot ran the buck off. We're, we're close to five o'clock. So the eight point kind of runs off and he's going back. And he's looping through the field like he was like getting out of there. Like he was going to go to the next section. Well, as he got about 80 yards closer, so he was probably around that 200-yard mark, I ripped a doe bleat and then I ripped a few grunts. Just be- and it was windy, like just because I wanted to see see what, how he would act and how, you know, Jake would act. And Jake's the deer that Henry named. If you listen to some other ops, uh, episodes, you know, something that me and Henry do. And he named a deer last year, uh, Jeff. So I was like, what should we name this deer this year? He's like, Jake, Dad. That looks like a Jake. And I was like, all right, perfect. We're doing it. So Jake's in the food plot, lip curling, you know, nudging does. And other deer kind of starting to trickle out of the, the corn and like another year and a half old buck and another doe or two. So, but as this eight points make his way, I rip a doe and a couple little grunts. Well, he comes running and he gets, he runs towards me. And about 50 yards and cuts into the woods. Well, I noticed that Jake was watching him trot and was very intrigued with what was going on. So as soon as that two-year-old eight-point hit the woods, I ripped huge grunt. Like the loudest grunt I've ever done. Just brah. And then brah, brah, brah. And he came. He turned his head and looked at me and he came trotting. Like, I mean, I've never seen a, a mature deer do this. And... He was pissed. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to shoot this deer. So bow, grab the bow, get ready. I'm standing up my blind. I have, you know, the vertical windows, narrow but tall. Uh, I'd put in there and I'm ready. And I'm ranging these spots. There's a tree, there's a deadfall tree that's in the woods. That's like 25 yard shot. And my assumption was he was going to be, he was going to hang up before that and cut in. I was going to have like a 30 yard shot. So I'm all prep myself for this. Well, as he's trotting, he's getting, he's like coming, like 
at a good clip. I'm like, dude, he's, he's clearing that. He's going to be right here in front of me. And I literally have like 15 yards from like my blind to the, the, the tree that's down and like this little gap between a fence or on the woods that connects these two fields. I'm like, he's, he's going to come right there. So my, I'm instantly sight to 20 yards, stand back. I pull my bow back and he's like 25 yards and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming kind of quarter and two. Well, he turns and starts making that turn and he feels like, First of all, when he's coming at me, he's his frame's great. Like his tines tip in, he's heavy. You know, he's got inline points on his G3s. Like he is just everything you could want. I'm just like the whole time, like, all right, calm yourself down. You're good. You got this. You're going to kill this deer. You know, talking myself through it. Cause like I'm kind of like the guy that I usually do pretty good if I have time. I can like talk myself mentally into it. Um, I also can, you know, snap shoot and, you know, make things happen. But I really like giving myself the opportunity to make it happen. So he's coming and he turns, he clears that deadfall and starts working in front of me. And he's quartering two, but as soon as he started like getting broadside, I was like, I got to take this because he's moving so fast. If he gets any closer and I make a noise, he's going to bolt. So as he's trying, I just, and he just kind of stops straight legs and kind of like looks over at me. And as soon as he's doing that, I mean, I'm already bubbles leveled, anchor hit. And I'm like, there's his leg. I'm t- I'm tucking it right up against his leg, and I, you know, aim low and I let it go. Instantly hit him. I'm like, I heart, and I, inst- I said, I heart shot him, and my arrow didn't go through him, but I felt like I got good penetration, and he took off and kicked my arrow out right away. And I watched him run into the hardwoods, and he's not doing good. You know, like got the. He's only really using three legs and he's going, I'm like, he's going to tip over right there. And I was just losing it. Well, that quickly changed because instead of tipping over, he just stops. And I'm like, you know, then as soon as he stops, I'm like, okay, he's going to tip over. He's going to tip over. And then, you know, a minute turns into two, two turns into five. And then we're approaching like that 10 minutes of him staying there. And I have like, I have big doubts, you know, I'm, I'm glass on him. He's 90 yards away probably. And I'm like, Okay, I don't, I'm seeing his offside. I think I see blood, but I'm not sure. But I don't see anything going out, and I can see his mouth is open, and he's hunched up like he got shot in the guts. And he's flicking his tail, and I'm like, what is going on? And, I mean, he stood there so long, I was, like, starting to pack my stuff up because I was like, I can sneak up to him and shoot him again because it's been raining, leaves are wet, and, you know, all these doubts are going through my mind. Like, I'm using a lighter arrow this year, um, Used to use, you know, I'm a 630 grain arrow. I'm shooting a 500 plus, like little over 500 grain arrow now. I have all these doubts going through my head, and I'm like, what is going on? And, you know, you don't seem to tip over, that happens. I'm like, did I hit his shoulder? Did I hit his, I, I don't know, and I knew it wasn't high shoulder. I knew it was low, and I figured I was, you know, if you got his leg bone coming down, and, you know, left is towards his chest, his front of his body, and right's towards his butt. I, I thought I was right of that bone where I hit him. So I was like, man, I don't think I hit that bone. I got decent penetration. But then when he's just standing there, you're like, what? And I was like, I heart shot him. How was he standing there? Well, he lays down. So after like 15 minutes, he lays down. So not even 15, I bet 10 minutes. So then I progress to get out of the blind and I start sneaking up on him. And I, you know, line some trees up. He's laying down facing directly away from me, which was good. And I just start sneaking. I get to like 45 yards, laying straight away, but I can see him. Well, then I'm like glassing him, trying to see what's going on. And he keeps laying his head down on the ground. Now, every time he did that, I would like take a step forward until he picked his head back up. 
I got within 30, like 38 probably yards from him, 36, something like that. And I can see his head really good, but he's facing directly away, kind of like hunched up in a ball. So it's like I have like a little bit of his back, back of his head and his rack. And I'm starting to like, I'm, you know, you're doubting everything. And I'm like, okay, he lays his head down one more time. And I'm like, I'm going to get to that tree. I got to kind of go an angle. If I can get behind that tree or alongside it, I'll have a, you know, quarter and away shot. He's kind of like laying body down. So backbone like exposed to me and his like chest and front is like away from me. So it's like the worst circumstance to like try to get an arrow in there, but also good for sneaking up on him. So I was at 36, felt, I was like, man, I feel really good about getting 20, 25 for making a good second shot. Well, as I'm like trans, you know, go sneaking through to that point, he gets up on his own. And now wind is blowing from him to me, uh, and he's facing away from me, and it is windy, and I'm making, like, no noise. So, like, I felt really confident about this. So I'm in between trees, and he stands up on his own, facing away from me, and then looks back. Because I was kind of, like, going the way I was I was sneaking up on him the way he ran. So, like, I, it would be like I was blood trailing him. So he just looks back, and I'm just frozen. And I was like, okay. And he's, like, panting with his mouth open, but I see no blood coming out of his mouth. So I'm like, this whole time, like, I was glassing that, and I never saw any blood. I'm like, man, if I hit him in the lungs and stuff, like, he should have blood come out of his mouth. You know, all these things are just flying through my head. So I am standing there frozen. He stands up. He's facing directly away from me, but kind of looking in my air, like, looking right at me. And I'm like, it's dark timber kind of, like, not dark timber, sorry, but, like, it's it's big trees, a lot of them. So like obviously it's darker in the woods than outside. So I like, I was not like I wasn't probably skyline because like there's trees everywhere, and but I was just in between trees. So I just in my head I never tell myself don't move. He has no idea you're there. So after about a minute he starts he starts trotting and you know when he got up I I never tell myself his his legs were weak his back legs were you know shaking. So I'm like. So I'm still feeling very obtuse this deer is going to die. But, you know, you hear crazy stories how deer recover and never find them. So he starts trotting away, like from right to left, which was would have been a really severe quartering away angle. So I take the opportunity to pull my bow back. And I had my, pin, I had my slider already set at 35 yards. So as he's trotting that quartering away, I, you know, He's going, he opens up just a little bit and I'm like, okay, I got an opportunity right there. So I think I made like a little noise or something. I think I squeaked again and he kind of like stopped and looked back at me and I let go. And all he did was like duck and but turn to his right. So, I mean, I had a pretty narrow window already and I might've been, you know, a little, little leading him just a little bit. Cause last thing I want to do is like hit his back leg and just not do anything. So he ducked and turned and went and snorted like, whew. And my arrow goes right alongside him and uh, smokes a tree. So it makes this, this, like, loud noise. So he's, like, running. And, I like, here I am thinking this deer's, like, super wounded. Um, you know, he's been laying down for, at this point in time, probably a half hour, maybe 40 minutes. Actually, it was probably 45 minutes from the time I shot him to the time I got the second shot off was 45 minutes. Because I'd call my dad as I got after I, so I took off running after him, like towards where I shot him because there was like a, a train, there's like a little mini train feature with like a little different elevation. So like, I can't see deer once they cross that. 
So I like just run after him. And you would think this deer that's like wounded pretty good. Like I should be able to semi like catch up and see, but no, I got to where I missed him and hit that tree with my second arrow. And I just stood on top of this little rise and was just like, you know, eagle eye, just looking glass and nothing. Don't see a deer anywhere. So I'm instantly just like, dude, this deer blew at me. He took off running. I mean, I couldn't hear how he was running because I was running, but like, I don't see him anywhere. So call my dad <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm like, dude, I just got a second shot at Jake. I hit him at, and it was like 14 yard shot and talking to him. I'm like, I got to find my arrow. Like my, I just got to find this arrow because if I got, you know, two inches of penetration, we're in deep trouble. Like if I got nothing, if the thing is, you know, just got to see, well, you know, after I grabbed my arrow out of the, the, the tree I hit, you know, second arrow. Uh, I look at his bed and there is good blood. Like, I mean, it is not, it is blubbly. It is like what you want to see, like blood. And where he got up and started walking, good blood. Leading up to his bed, great blood. So I'm like, what in the world is going on? And find my arrow, came out after like two bounds, and I have like a solid blood for like nine inches. No broadhead, but solid blood for nine inches. So I'm like, okay, well. A deer isn't much wider than nine inches. I mean, we're not shooting these, you know, 350-pound deer from Canada or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, if I put the arrow right where I know I need to put it, like, I'm in the goods. Like, for him to act that way, you know, to see the blood I saw, I did not gut shoot him. Like, I was just not thinking I gut shot him, but I was just really concerned with it. So I get back to, you know, where my arrow is talking to my dad. Obviously called Tony with Find It Fred. And I'm like, dude, like we're like he's like, dude, no way. This is awesome. Like, yeah, it's awesome, but this is what happened. He's like, man, that is so strange. He's like, let me reach out to my network. So, which is so great because these guys all communicate. They're all in it for us as hunters. So I'm like, I got a couple things going against me. This deer ran through, you know, the woods. Uh everything is soaked. So like the blood that I did find, you could tell like it was runny blood because it was the leaves have like are holding water. And we have this huge rain system coming our way. So me and my dad even talked about this too. I was like, okay, by the time I, you know, wait for you to get here, you know, get, you know, cause I want some help, you know, or wait for Tony to get here with the dog, whatever it may be. Like, we're not going to be able to get back out here and find him by the time the rain starts pouring. So then it was like, okay, Tony, do we need to push this deer? What do we need to do? You know, you have your dog, which obviously can track way better than we can, do we, you know, do we run this deer down possibly? Do we get another shot in him, you know, if need be? Because he's, you know, certified. So if you have to dispatch a deer, uh, you know, you could do that with him legally. But then the the big concern was, like, this is a bigger deer. Like, last thing I need is Fred to go up on this, you know, this four-and-a-half-year-old buck that's got, you know, tines kind of everywhere, big beans, good mass, that's still plenty alive and catch a tine, you know. Um, that dog's, you know, his, that's his asset. And that's, you know, part of his thing. Why put him in a bad position? So we are discussing all these things. Um, my wife comes home, is on her way home from work. And I call her up because she's going right through that storm and it is raining so hard. I can't even hardly hear her on the phone. So I'm like, okay, well, if we try to track this deer without a dog, like we are not going to get very far before the rain hits us. And then we're, it's washing this blood away. So we make the decision to just wait till the morning because it was like, okay, the area these deer are in, they feel very comfortable because there's low pressure, the way it's set up. Like I have not hunted it a lot. 
the good bedding and all that kind of stuff is in only one area pretty much. Like there's not much that doesn't make sense for them to go anywhere else. So talked to Tony, looked at the wind conditions for the next day. I said, Hey, we're having this wind. We can X off a lot of these, these spots really quick with your dog. So sleepless night ensues for me. And I just keep going back and forth. Like, I'm like, man, that, that arrow was great. Like it went right where I wanted, should be a heart shot. Like I've never seen a deer do that. Like the blood I saw, like, is like blood that I usually, you know, find dead deer at the end of, but just the resilience, you know? So we get there in the morning and, you know, obviously it poured rain Wednesday night. So Thursday morning we get there and, you know, I had stuck my, I had stuck an arrow. The arrow I hit him with was where I shot him. And then the arrow that I missed that hit the tree, well, that was in the bed. So I stuck both those there. So we had good landmarks. And I was surprised at how much blood was gone in that bed because there was a lot of blood. You could find a little bit still, but like a lot that rain, that rain washed a lot of it away. So we kind of have a game plan. We're like, okay, like we'll let Fred do his thing, but we're going to work this drainage to this spot and then we can cross off that and then cross off this. And then on the way back, we'll go this other way. Just use the wind to the dog's advantage. So you know, Fred hits, hits, he does his thing. He hits the bed, you know, impact site goes right to the bed. And I was like, okay, he, but then I didn't know how much he could, he was tracking me because that's exactly the way I had walked when, um, I, you know, snuck up on the deer. Cause sometimes dogs can like, they can tell when you've been there or whatever. So I was like, yep, that's exactly where I walked. And you could see where he went to the bed. Perfect. And then he left the bed and was like kind of on the angle that I assumed the deer ran. And we're like, okay, yep, he did go that way, kind of back where he came from. So Fred's doing his thing, but then you can tell, like, he kind of was, like, doing it, but, like, he wasn't, like, locked in completely. He was at first, and then he kind of got it. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. There's there's standing water. There's this kind of stuff. Let's kind of work this edge. So that dog, man, he just, he's he, he handles so well with Tony. And we just start going. And we jumped a lot of deer in the next, like, hour. But with Fred, he would, he could, he was downwind of the deer. So like he, when he would smell a deer, he would stop and pick his head up and look. So then me and Tony would kind of walk up to where he was. And then sure enough, 50, 60 yards away, we'd see deer jump. And we, you know, could get good, good, good visual on what they were. Does, little buck, whatever it may be. Live deer. Fred doesn't even care about those live deer. He's like, not the deer we're after. So we keep checking off these these areas, and which was really nice because knowing that he could, we were seeing the deer that were jumping that you could obviously tell you could smell, and they were you know fifty to seventy five to eighty yards away. So we're like, okay, he's covering a lot of this. So we get to the spot that um, I kind of figured the the mature deer like to hang out in bed and do their thing, and I, there's this little rise, and I could tell Fred could smell deer. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just kind of check this rise out, stand top, and get a good look. So Fred, you know, is doing his thing with his heads up and he's smelling and he's kind of like, he's almost like pointing out like, Hey dudes, there's deer over there, but it's not dead deer. (laughs) So I get to the rise and I look and I'm just standing there and all of a sudden deer just start erupting. And I see a deer get up big rack and I was like, Oh my gosh, is that him? And I'm looking like, Nope, it's not him. I think it's Mr. Krabs and he's got an arrow hanging out of his shoulder. I'm like, oh my gosh. And like this arrow is like, it's a, it's not a bolt, it's an arrow. And it's like all hanging out of him. Like when he's running, it is going up and down, like whipping up and down. Like, I don't know how the arrow stayed in him when he was running. 
and he took off like no limp, nothing like a, like a streak of lightning. So I was like, all right, good boy, Fred, good boy. You know, live deer, live Tony's got like a thing for him that, you know, leave him, leave him, leave him. So then Fred just like, okay. Then he goes back to Tony and then I walk over the bed where that deer was laying, no blood, nothing. So I'm like, okay, well that deer is probably fine. I don't know what neighbor or who shot that, but just goes to prove, you know, I'm hunting in an area that a lot of people are hunting around. So, uh, we jumped a few more deer, do all that. And we start Xing stuff off. And then we get to the point where it's like, okay, we've covered this. We've covered that. I feel really good about those areas. There's one spot here we haven't hit yet, but the wind's doing this and the sun was just starting to pop. And I was like, okay, Tony, like we have, we can do two things here from like, he's, cause he's, he, you know, as the hunter, he's asking you like, where deer like to be, you know, that kind of thing just to kind of help. But also like, he's the handler. So like, I defer to like what he thinks it like, Hey, from your experience, what do you think? He's like, man, I really like to give Fred an opportunity to start that, that track again. He said, you know, it's been a little bit, we've crossed a lot of these spots off. Like maybe let's just give him a chance to see what happens. And I was like, dude, I'm all for it because no matter which way he goes from that bed, we can either, you know, take option A or option B and do the same thing we've been doing. Tony's like, yep. He's like, I got nowhere to be. I had nowhere to be. He's like, we'll spend all day looking. Cause like he, Tony was pretty confident the deer was dead. And so was, I I think back in my, in my back of my brain, I was like, you know, we haven't found anything, but like, I don't know how that deer could still be alive. It's just a matter of finding him. And if he didn't get pushed by anything that night, cause that was what we're really afraid of pushing him and him going just a country mile. So we go back to the, you know, shot site, we looped through. We didn't walk back through anything. We walked already. We took a big loop out in the field, which I think Tony did that just to give Fred like a, a good run at it and not be any disturbance, you know, from us walking around. So it brings it back to impact site. Fred, boom, right to the bed, hits the bed and just starts going. And he's going the same way he did before, but then all of a sudden he like gets it figured out. You could tell like he was on this deer. And I mean, it, it rained so much. I, I was like not close to Tony. I didn't want to jinx it, but I was like, how is he, how can he possibly still track this deer? Like in my head, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, but he is on a line and he starts diagonaling across this woods. And he got to the point where he kind of was going the first time, but then we, and in my defense, I was like, Tony, I typically, they run this way. And Tony's like, okay, let's look. And I'm like looking for blood, looking for where they could have crossed. And I don't see anything. So I think Fred was just kind of like, hey, well, I'll go this way. Cause he, you know, that's one of those things where you got to trust your dog or give it some more time. And like, I think I kind of messed it up. This probably would have saved us a few hours if I would have just stood there and not done anything. So learn for anyone who, you know, has the same situation that I go through, like, you know, typically sometimes maybe just give the tracker or the dog like give them some time and just don't just let them just do their thing for a little bit opposed to like saying hey this is what i think we should do or whatever i mean maybe you could be right but i think sometimes that dog man they just they have an an ability to track with not stuff in a way that we cannot just with their smell i mean no blood nothing anyways i'm like hanging back and i'm like paralleling the dog but like off to the side of ways in this dog like breezes through this wet spot comes out the other side and is on a line and tony's like following back a ways you know he's looking for blood or anything and i'm like okay this is one of the area he's kind of heading towards like my plan c like there's a possibility went the deer went that way and he's going he's going he's going <laughs> and uh, tony just lets out this yell 
there he is. And I was probably like 80 yards away. And dude, I, the excitement I had in that moment was pretty cool. Being able to do that with your buddy and see that. But sure enough, there was my buck. There was Jake, uh, stonewalled dead. Um, and he had just made it outside the woods into some corn or like right in the edge of the corn. And dude, that dog lined, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys who have tracking dogs, I mean, I've had experience with like, you know, labs and pointers and stuff, you know, getting pheasants and doing all those things. And they, they still amaze me, you know, like dogs just are so cool, but he did that. And yeah, the celebration began like there he was, um, in my shot, you know, we see him laying there, his, the shots down. I'm like, dude, he's, he's exactly what I thought he was. You know, he's just a great buck, heavy mass, like heavy duty coming through, got inline G threes on both sides, like just a super sweet buck. And, uh, you know, we got some sweet pictures and that kind of thing. And, uh, it was cause the sun was just kind of coming up and we you know just a static and the deer ended up going 300 yards from the shot. So he went about, you know, a hundred yards almost from where his first bed was. And then he went on a straight line kind of diagonal through and, we don't think he bedded down a second time. It looked like it maybe if he if he had bedded down, it wasn't where we found him because he had you know straight legged out, tipped over, you know, kind of a look, and uh, you know, just some sweet pictures. So shout out to Tony and 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 Fred. You know, that's a that's quite the the team there, and I'm super pumped that I had this opportunity to do that with him, and he was there for that. But uh. You know, we got him back to the house and I, you know, I was like, okay, what can I learn from this? You know, I was using a different arrow setup, but like come to find out like that arrow still did what it needed to do. You know, I think as a hunter, every time you have a bad experience with something, you just try to blame it on, you know, something like where, why it was bad because of my arrow or it was bad because of my broadhead or it was bad because of a limb or it was bad because a deer moved. There's so many variables in this that we do. So for me, I was like, okay, like I had a replay. I like, I need to know what happened. And I had adequate penetration for that shot where I went through it. I did not hit his leg bone, but I had broke, you know, two ribs on the way in and broke two ribs on the way out. And because it was low, the two ribs on the way out, I broke them right where they meet the sternum. So I went through the like thickest part of his bone and that broadhead was like almost poking through his hide on the other side. So I saw that, you know, and I gutted him and I, to my surprise, this deer I did hit him in the heart. Now I didn't like center punch the heart, but I put a slice, probably like a four inch slice across this whole heart, um, with one of the blades. And then I had hit both lungs. So like if, if I were to, sh- if I were to gut that deer and show someone and be like, Hey, how far do you think this deer was? You'd be like less than a hundred, probably tipped right over in sight, you know, kind of a shot. And that just wasn't the case. So, I mean, pumped up on adrenaline coming in ready to fight, you know, making that shot. Uh, maybe the, you know, the, the aggressive nature of where I hit him, you know, going through like thick part of his meat of his shoulder, breaking a few ribs, you know, it's not like I zipped one through high lungs where they had no idea what, you know, like my buck I shot October 22nd, you know, where I hit him, I, you know, I, I barely broke a rib on the way in and the way out. Like I zipped right through both lungs, just above the heart, that deer, you know, had no idea what really happened. I mean, he just ran and started, you know, tumbling right away because of where that was, but he was clueless when he got shot. So, I mean, there's a lot of variables that go in, but I, uh, I got him out and sure enough, you know, that, that hide, uh, had a, you know, almost poking through on the, the pass through, um, heart had a big slash in it. Both lungs were hit and where I'd hit him the first time, October 10th was, you know, 
like I told Tony, I said, I think I hit him, you know, if you cut the body in half, you know, vertically, you know, cut him in half that way. I went in right there, last rib, kind of was what I had thought. And then, you know, watching the video, it's like, okay, he ducks as the arrow's hitting him and it glances off or something. Well, yeah, it did exactly that. It hit his backbone. And the way the broadhead was going, it was actually, it was a, you know, two blade with bleeders. It hit him the flat way. So, like, the blades are parallel with his back. And it hit that and just glanced off. So, I mean, it went in and out, and there was probably only an inch and a half of, of hide, you know, from entry to exit hole. So, it was nice to kind of seal the deal on this whole entire thing, just, you know, tagging out Michigan on a second buckle and bow, which I've never done uh, on a great deer, you know, four-and-a-half-year-old buck that have had history with. You know, that the deer wouldn't be wouldn't, – I wouldn't have been able to shoot this deer if I would have shot him as a three-year-old, you know, or – may pushed them or hunted hard like doing these kind of things all this you know all these things had to go together to make this work and man i just it was such a relief like that that celebration with a friend there and you know the only way it probably could have been topped is if the family was there too for that you know like the first deer you know being able to track that deer with your family there's some there's just you know there's just all these memories that you have and these little experiences and you know i feel very blessed to go through this so yeah i'm tagged out in michigan i mean i've tagged out i think Oh man, when I was 15, I think I shot two bucks in my gun. I tagged out then, and then 2020, I shot a buck opening day, a bow season, and I shot a buck with Henry opening day gun. So it's been three years since I, you know, tagged out. And like I said earlier, I haven't shot a buck with my bow since 2020. So now I got two on two on two down for that, and I think it's uh, I feel very blessed with that. So yeah, that's the story of Jake and my uh, November 8th hunt and. Hopefully you guys can like, you know, learn from, it's quite a story. Like, I mean, both my stories this year, you know, the times, you know, you got to put yourself in a position to make something happen to an extent, you know, leaving my, my Illinois hunt early, you know, a day and a half early just to come, you know, cause I felt like I had a better opportunity to kill a deer, uh, in Michigan with the weather and the area and the scouting that you've done. Um, so I'm kind of thankful it was 80 degrees in Illinois because otherwise I probably wouldn't have uh, made the journey back home. But it's been a whirlwind last, uh, you know, today's the 14th. So, I mean, the last 10 days have been just crazy. I mean, I've drove I've drove to Illinois and back. I've drove to Nashville, Tennessee and back. Uh, and I'm driving up north tomorrow. But, man, this is what we live for. This is the this is the time of year to to do these kind of things and, you know, make the most of it when you can. And, I'm I, like I said, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do this. And uh, appreciate you guys listening. And hopefully uh, you can learn something. I mean, I I think I did a podcast with Joe Davis at Generations of Hunt. We kind of talked about calling, and you know, I kind of told him I said, "Hey, I think the reason why a lot of a lot of calling doesn't work in Michigan is because we're calling at a age class of bucks that don't have a high age class of bucks, so they're just not dominant." But like over the years, I've slowly noticed how there's more and more mature deer or like mature, I mean, let's just say three and a half years old and older deer alive and walking around because guys are doing the right thing for their goals. You know, they want to shoot older deer. So they're passing deer. We're not shooting as many. So we're getting these pockets of these, you know, mature deer and they're actually doing like deer things. So like that calling does work. I mean, I've, I seen bucks fight last year, like fight, like first time ever, like dirt flying, fighting, like wanting to kill each other, you know? So I mean, I've had luck in the past with, you know, soft grunts and snort wheezes in certain circumstances. And yeah, it just goes to show, just pay attention to the the body language of a deer and get lucky. I mean, having that other buck come my way, man, that just sealed the deal for me. So, um, yeah. And I would mean food plots too. I mean, the power of food plot. I mean, I think those does are coming out in daylight so early because I have food plots there. I have good food, 
I mean, it's it's growing great. I mean, that vitalized seed is just awesome. And, I mean, that goes to show, like, I, I don't know how much the seed makes a difference, but, I mean, find something you like. But, I mean, I got some stuff from Packer Max, too, and we have another food plot. My brother-in-law has been hunting over that way. And he just pulled some cards again. He's like, dude, there's big bucks all over this again, you know. It's just in a spot that, you know, is lends deer to be there more at nighttime. So just the, you know, you're just kind of hamstringed at your property and what you have. But, you know, being fortunate to have a spot where you can put some food plots right in these deer face, deer's face where they like to be, it just makes a big difference. So, but yeah, guys, thanks for listening this week. Like I said earlier, you know, if you want to support the show, uh, I would really appreciate it. I mean, if you want to get some Christmas presents, anything outdoor related, you know, hop on that website, you know, michiganwild.com or michiganwild dot holler commerce dot com that would be fantastic i really appreciate that and uh hope you guys have a great opening day of gun season go make some memories with the family um do this you know hopefully your rut hunts were great i mean i had just a grind i think i think i hunted from november let's say no from november 3rd to november 8th i had drove let's see 16 hours almost just to go to and from home plus all the driving I did during the week, plus all the miles I walked, all the sweating I did, all the different spots I were. And guess what? It was all worth it when that moment came. So, yeah. Have a good week, guys. Thanks for listening.